Hey folks, welcome to the Hermit's Land podcast here. Uh, as you might know, I have a Patreon for this podcast and I would sure dig some support. Uh, you can uh, jump over to patreon.com slash the Hermit's Lamp and uh, you know, pitch in. Uh, every bit helps. Uh, there are a few options, though, that you might want to know about. Certainly everybody who uh, supports the podcast at any level gets this uh, extra early. So in this case, uh, you know, it's going to be at least 24 hours before the rest of the world gets it. If you support at the $5 donation level, then you will get access to bonus recordings. A uh, little something extra, usually between me and the guest, um, that, uh, that comes out only for folks who are supporting the Patreon. If you jump in at the $10 level, then you get a, uh, access to the Facebook group. Uh, and it is a burgeoning group where I'm working on kicking up some stuff. I've got some plans to teach uh, some beginner's magic classes there uh, later this year, as well as, uh, you know, I run a monthly tarot class, which you get access to, and you get access to ask me questions and hang out and all that kind of jazz. Um, so go and check it out. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks who listen to this podcast, and if you've been listening to it for a while, think about what you've gotten from it. You know, what has it contributed to your life? And, uh, you know, head on over there and uh, support it. Part of the support goes towards uh, accessible things like transcriptions. And uh, the rest of the support goes towards supporting me making this work and contributing the time and energy to it. All right. Talk soon. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I am here with uh, Jen Zert. And, uh, you know, just before we started recording, I looked up the last time we had a conversation, just the two of us, uh, you know, in this format. And that was May 14th, 2017. So it's been a little while. Lots of things have changed since then. Uh, you know, amongst many other things, uh, Jen is a fantastic astrologer, is a uh, amazing publisher of cool things and uh well the rest of it will just shake out as we have our conversation but you know if people don't know you yet jen who are you how do you how do you think of yourself these days um when people talk about gender identity i always identify as the thought form <laughs> uh-huh nice because sometimes it's hard to remember that i even have a body i'm so into the world of ideas the history of uh -huh. astrology the history of alchemy the history of occultism uh-huh the now of all of those things right <laughs> publishing them teaching them talking about them until i'm blue in the face so uh -huh. yeah just a lot of thinking but um since i saw you last on the show i had a baby so now uh -huh. i'm very much sutured into reality in a physical way i was gonna ask how does how does being a thought form and being a parent uh coincides you know totally antithetical but then you always have walt whitman in the back of your pocket am i contradicting myself very well then i'm contradicting myself i'm large i contain multitudes uh-huh for sure so, yeah good old walt yeah i know but we're still in this very strong duad you know she's eating my body parts every day like uh-huh i started making soap when the crisis hit mm -hmm. because i had all this excess milk and you can make soap with milk but right. then I found out I can't sell it because it's basically selling my body parts. Right. <laughs> so this magical breast milk soap that I can't sell, but mm -hmm. it's, it's fantastic. It takes out everything. Like I was painting my house. Oh, I, I have a house now too. Mm -hmm. The flood landed into a house. Yeah. Um, and I got, you know, like you're painting and you get paint on your clothes. And I got paint on my favorite pair of pants, which I shouldn't have been wearing when I was painting. And the soap took it out. That's amazing. It's like, what the fuck? Sorry. There's nothing. That's fine. You can swear. There is, uh, is there nothing that, that breast milk can't accomplish? I, I mean, it, they say it's liquid gold. I have yet to be proven otherwise, honestly. Mm -hmm. you know? For sure. So. Except, you, except you can't sell it. So. You can't sell your own body parts. It doesn't turn into gold. So. You're not yeah. allowed to sell your body parts. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And so I I'm sitting on a hoard of amazing right? soap. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about well, maybe offering like, you know, donate to Dagny's college fund and receive some soap as a thank you. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. By Dr. Could be Dr. good. Dagny, so. Yeah. 
Um, ah. How so, are you? You and I me? both. You had a fire. I had a flood. You're all right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all right. You know, it's been, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I also uh, got divorced since, wow. since we talked last as well, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty big transformations in my life. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah. Like a year and a bit ago the store burned down and led to, you know, I just was like, all right, I'm just going to lean into this change now. I'm just like, just going to lean way into it and see what happens. And so with the help of a close friend, we made a list of all the things that I like to do around my business. And we're like, all right, which one of these actually require you having a store? And the only answer, the only one that did was selling stuff to people in person but yeah. everything else did not, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. teaching, no problem. Selling stuff, well, mail order's fine. You know, like, whatever, lots of things. Yeah. And um, so so I took over an art studio and uh, started seeing clients there and, and making art and doing more stuff like that. And then a little bit later, I, I reopened the store inside a friend's store. Oh. And... Um, so it's sort of a shared space now, which is quite different. Um, and that's been taken, that's been, you know, um, actually I missed the anniversary. It was August 17th was the anniversary of real. Oh, well, happy belated. Thanks. And um, yeah. And so that's been going really well. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a zany ride in, in terms of like the amount of change. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's also really good, you know, I mean, still hang out with my kids, you know, I have my kids half the time. So, you know, we spend a lot of time together doing stuff at yeah. the time of recording. We're gear- gearing up to go camping for a week together oh, and, um, you know, stuff like that, which is awesome. And yeah, you know, been been making a lot more art, which has been really fun as well. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So last um, year. When all of the flood things were going on, I did appear on your show as part of the Stacking Skulls, sort of, um, I guess I was like the guest skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was in England, and things were still very chaotic for me as well. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, little did I know at that time, they would start congealing quite quickly into this pregnancy which then became life-threatening so i spent from september 1st until her birth on the solstice of last year i was pretty much like holding my breath waiting for any moment till they bleed to death so i've been sort of recovering from that and then the second that we got out of the nicu um, she had to be born early um we spent 17 days in the nicu and it was completely isolating and very traumatic but you know also I was very ferociously determined to be there for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was watching the astrology of the moment, you know, just Mm -hmm. like her chart. And then as the transits would happen and people were like, when are you guys going to get out of the NICU? And they're like, well, you're probably not going to leave until she's technically full term at 40 weeks, which was like late January. And I was like, no, we'll be out of here by the 7th of January. They're like, how do you know? And I was like, the moon's going to be in her fourth house. We're going home, (laughs) you know? So it was like this Mm -hmm. cool moment. Um, I'm not sure if it was exactly the seventh, but I predicted it to the hour, which was like (laughs) the staff were like, oh my goodness. And even three days prior to that, they were like, no, you're going to be here all of January. And I'm like, no way. So, and I mean, you know, obviously you don't want to rush that. There's a reason why babies are in the NICU. So it's not like, you know, going home early is a good thing always. It's actually not actually good. Um, So, Mm -hmm. but you know, she just, she just decided it was time you know and she did all the metrics they measure i mean they're measuring those babies every three hours it's crazy sure um then it was just like suddenly within three days she's like all right let's go home i'm like thank you Mm -hmm. and then we moved into this house when the sun came to her fourth house for the very first time and the fourth house symbolizes home so Mm. we were in the process of searching for a home and trying Mm -hmm. to buy a home and you know we were in contract with a different place and everything was like so slow and like nothing yeah. was coming together and we were doing all the magic right we, we were pulling out all the stops to like make it finally speed up and go and say expedite mm-hmm. and you name it and uh, lots of things we'll never talk about on air and like it just wasn't happening and then all of a sudden boom this other place came around and we closed and moved in the day the sun went into her fourth house so it was That's like amazing 
oh, okay, well, clearly I'm, like, living in her world now, you know? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. How, how is it to, uh, to live according to somebody else's astrology, you know? I mean, that's an interesting question, right? Here's this new family member, and it's like mm-hmm. we're we're really having to, I don't know, steward her and and also be guided by her too. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been an interesting adjustment to see, and also to kind of be tiger momish about. I don't know what the right word is, but like very um, vigilant, you know. Mm-hmm. The one time in the NICU that she lost weight, there was a significant. Mm-hmm moment in Uh the chart and that was a few days after her birth so i'm like looking ahead using another astrological technique called secondary progressions going like all right when she's x years old i need to be really closely paying attention to you know what's going on with this configuration um because i watched it happen in the nicu you know Uh like on this microcosmic level um Uh the actual transits were corresponding to what will become years of her life that's a technique called secondary progression so it was like living real time, like the first 17 years of her life inside of this like incubation chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very controlled environment, you know, so uh-huh. the only variables were like which nurse comes in and how do they, you know, treat her and right. what is she eating and all these things. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah, I think that stuff is really interesting, right? I, um, I since we've talked, yeah. I think... I've uh, stopped paying any attention to astrology in general. I, uh, I found myself last year sometime, maybe a bit before, I, no, before the fire, so a year and a half ago maybe, mm-hmm. I found myself following the progressions of astrology that were going on, looking at stuff and whatever. And I was like, I just I had sort of two things happen at once. One was I went away for a little bit, and I realized how much I relaxed not looking at that stuff and other things, but especially that stuff. Yeah. And, um, and secondarily, I started thinking about, um, you know, in my, in my religious practice, my advice that I was given was to make that my only practice, right? Oh. And I started thinking about, was I... I it it didn't form this clearly, but almost the question was, am I being unfaithful by participating internally and externally in astrology as opposed to pursuing and focusing only within the religious structure, which has its own divination, you know, all those things, right? Like that for people who don't know, I'm a a priest in, uh, in Lukumi. I'm a son of Shango in uh, Afro Cuban yes. religion, right? Yeah. And we have no astrology. It doesn't, there's nothing. Yeah. We, we address astrological bodies in certain ways, but, but not astrology at all. Right? right. And I started thinking about, cause something had happened where Mercury was retrograde and I'd had a reading and the advice was stuff that would kind of go against, you know, and I understand it's not quite as straightforward as that. Right. Like, you know, but I started noticing my tension around these astrological events in relationship to following the advice that I had been given. And the conjunction of all those things made me realize, I think I'm going to step back from some of this stuff. And I, so I, I, so I stopped following all the people's, you know, daily things and weekly things and listening to, you know, this podcast and that podcast and stuff like that. And, you know, and so, and so it's been, it's been interesting in that regard, you know, because it's like, um, I mean, I, there's still tons of stuff that I see in my, in my social media, right? Because I oh, follow yeah. lots of people and everybody's talking about it all the time these days. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't come with the same thing. Like, you know, um, like I used to listen to the podcast, which if you like astrology, I quite enjoyed when I was into it with Kelly Surtees and, um, yeah. uh, Austin and Chris. Yeah. Austin and Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. You know, like, and, and other stuff, you know, like, but I used to listen to it all and I'm just like, nah, I'm going to give it some space. Good. So, yeah. I do too. Honestly. I mean, sometimes people are like, I want my daily horoscope. And I'm like, that's literally lunacy. Like, right. You will become crazy looking at every single moment of the moon's movement mm-hmm. um i laugh actually because i don't look at my own chart very mm-hmm. often and usually only in 2020 like hindsight uh-huh um like oh what's happened oh that of course right 
Mm-hmm. So that whole life-threatening moment, it's like, oh, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have predicted that because, I mean, I don't like to look at the map that way. Mm-hmm. I do it for other people, but it can be nice to just live your life, you know, even if this worldview is very powerful. Um, and I think that's what it is, honestly. It's not a religious practice, but it is a worldview. If you're I think so. It. Yeah, I think, you know, you know um, I recorded with Stacking Skulls just like earlier in the week at the time of we're recording this. And we talked a bit about how, you know, how there are these different coherent worldviews. Mm-hmm. And if you're in them, it can make so much sense within them. Right. Right. You know, but, but that there's sometimes a tension around or, you know, or a challenge where it's like, well, within this, within the structure, this makes a hundred percent sense. Right. Yeah. But does it, but does it apply across to other worldviews? Right. And I think well, that here's the thing it's nesting too. It gets really into like inception level shit because you have this idea of astrology that mm-hmm. is a singular noun for looking at the movement of the sky in relation to human experience. Okay. That's like the most generic definition of yeah. it. But every single culture actually has some kind of astrology in that mm-hmm. they look at the sky for certain things to make sense for their human lives for cultures that are not necessarily Western or Mayan or Chinese, there's chaotic astrology, which is, oh, I saw something in the sky. It's an omen, right? doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's actually got a codified mathematical, harmonic, cosmic mm-hmm. basis. Sure. And then you have these cosmic astrologies, which of which Western astrology is one. And so that, like, even within astrology as, a, as an umbrella noun, you actually have multiple kinds of astrology at play. And mm-hmm. so that's why I get a little irritated when some people are like, I'm going to learn about, or I'm going to learn astrology. And I'm like, well, what kind are you going to do sure. Arabic era astrology from the dark ages, middle ages? Are you going to do Renaissance astrology, which isn't that, are you going to mm-hmm. do Hellenistic, which isn't that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I teach a lot of different kinds of astrology and I try to emphasize to my students, like we're looking at different lenses of the same kind of approach to the world, but mm-hmm. you can't, mix the lenses either right like if we're going to do something from a renaissance way we have to just like get into that zone yeah and even kind of pretend like pluto and neptune aren't existing you know uranus isn't there 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 are no outer planets but you know you take that lens and then it's like you're at the optometrist you take that next one and it's like oh let's add uranus back on okay what do we see right and it's like you can do that nesting level of lenses and sort of you have to be able to have like command of a multivalent perspective Mm -hmm. Well, it's like uh, the planetary magic that I learned came from Golden Dawn, Crowley era stuff. So outer planets, no outer planets. We don't have outer planets. What are you talking about? They don't exist. What herbs does Pluto rule? Does Pluto even (laughs) exist? It doesn't exist. (laughs) Well, this is the coolest thing ever, though, because check it out. So there are actually known fictitious planets, eight of them, Uh in in one of the astrology systems, which has become known as Uranian astrology in the United States. This was a kind of astrology founded by a man named Alfred Witte in Germany. He was a mm-hmm. topographer, a surveyor, and he was fighting on the Russian front in World War I and noticed that these like fine-tuned movements, like could he, could he predict the next bomb? Like something that minute, mm. right? And he actually tuned into his like mathematical brain and came up with these fictitious planets. He came up with four of them and his colleague came up with the other four and then they stopped making them up. But there's a cosmology to them that actually, like, you first hear about this and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm 32. I can make up a planet. Yeah. Right. You know, and even my, my intellectual hero, Nick Campion, who I work with, um, he made up a fixed planet called Pizza because all the planets move. But he's like, well, we don't have a fixed planet. We have fixed stars and we have movable planets. Let's make up a fixed planet at zero cancer mm. and call it Pizza. So that, that I have to write about Pizza one day. So Pizza is mm-hmm. there. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to make up fictitious asteroids. So I started just making up these asteroids that actually work. And, and that's mm-hmm. a whole different thing. It's called Fantasteroids. Fantasteroids.com. You can go to it. And, um, and, then, and then I was reading further into like the first article this guy published in 1913 in German. And he's like talking about, this is the thing. This is the crux of it. It's totally mind-blowing. And I love twisting your brain. So just make sure you're sitting down. I'm ready. I'm okay. sitting down. If you take the substance of the planet Mercury and you remove it from its planetary self, right? Like you just take a chunk of Mercury out Mm -hmm. and you put it into the orbit of Mars. 
it will no longer be Mercury. It will be Mars. Mm -hmm. It will become Martian. And so the thing that's critical about the planet is not the object of the planet, which is just the focal point for this valence mm -hmm. shell. It's the lens, it's a different lens, it's a different measuring point on that valence shell that describes the mercuriness of that mm -hmm. valence. In the same way that when the solar system was coalescing, all the material that was around that valence eventually became mercury. Mm. All the material that was around Mars eventually became a sphere that we call Mars, but it's the valence of the orbit that makes the thing potent in a Martian it's, way. It's point in the system that moves as the whole system moves in its orderly fashion. That's what you mean, right? Right. So it's like we've reified the planets to being this thing, something mm -hmm. you can touch, a tangible thing. But mm -hmm. actually, if you take any material and you stick it in the orbit of Mars, it will become Mars. Mm -hmm. And it, that, that Mars itself is not defined by the planet Mars, but by the orbital shell of Mars. Mm -hmm. So that now when you make up fake planets that have orbital shells at a certain distance beyond Pluto, mm. then all of a sudden you're like, well, there actually can be eight valence shells beyond Pluto. And there might be one speck of material that we can't measure with any telescope that represents where that material is actually functioning. So now all of a sudden mm -hmm. these eight fake planets are, are not necessarily fake. They're just a so different how, measurement. How do you... Um ascribe meaning to those points then observation how is induction okay inductive observation so that's exactly what they did is that he sat there he had a lot of time on his hands pre-internet world war one bombs going yeah. off so he basically just induced from those orbital movements um this you know and he was using midpoints which is also a fine-tuned way of bending the math of the chart to create mm -hmm. micro measurements right Mm -hmm. And so he was, you know, had a lot of time on his hands. And back in the early 20th century, a lot of other people did too, and they helped out. And so mm -hmm. inductively, they realized these things were in existence, so to speak, and they still work. And that's the thing, like mm -hmm. you were saying, like inside of this coherent worldview that was built by these Germans mm -hmm. and exported to other countries, if you learn the system, it actually works. Mm. So my question is this about that. Um, how do you how does one differentiate between these created points as being determinative of events and the fact that the rest of the system is already in a fixed point at that moment and that we could use other things to determine it that are that are pre-existing parts of astrology i would or, say this you can speak portuguese about a situation and you can mm -hmm. speak Chinese about a situation and you can be talking okay. about the same situation, but your adjectives and the nouns you used will allow certain, certain finer points of the experience to be articulated. For example, mm. like the untranslatable Portuguese word saudade doesn't exist in, you know, the American context. And so when you learn it, you learn a certain kind of longing that doesn't, isn't present when we talk about longing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's a very different thing than the German Weltschmerz, you know? So mm. it's like, if you're talking in that level, it's like, these are different languages that we're using based off of a different mathematics, mm. as opposed to languages that are based off of a collective cultural experience that have crystallized mm -hmm. into semantic forms. Mm. So can you understand it if you can't do the math? I think so. Because we have like if somebody articulates, <laughs> right? And I do think the mark of a good astrologer is to be able to explain something without talking about the techniques they're using. Mm -hmm. For sure. To have a conversation with someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I rarely, I only speak about the cards in card reading, in as much as they are illustrative of the point they're making. Which sometimes is not at all, right? Sometimes it's like, yeah. look, here's the issue. Stop yeah. being mean to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. And it's you don't like, even need to bring up which card is telling you that. You just like say, hey, yeah. this is, and now I know what the issues are. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing about astrology is you can, because it's based off of a timing system, you can talk about duration, you know. Mm -hmm. It'll get better in six months. Mm -hmm. That's what people is come there, for. 
a lot. Of course, right? Please tell me it's going to be okay. (laughs) Please tell me I'm going to find it, find love, find work, find whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's no shame in that. We all have those questions. Yeah. Whenever. But it's about the timing of them, you know, like when am I going to find someone? For sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I get a reading, it's always the same thing. I'm like, all right, tell me about my work. (laughs) I need to make more money. (laughs) Tell me about whatever, you know? So yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Does the does the difference in position between seeing it related to an aspect with Mars and seeing it related to an aspect with this other uh, point, do they have the same durations or does it have different durations as well? Those points, because they're outside of the orbit of um, technically Neptune at that time, because they didn't know Pluto right. existed. Uh, they're very slow moving, but when you use mm-hmm. midpoints, which is measuring the arc distance between two things and cutting it in half, mm-hmm. um, or, or, you know, adding them up and then creating the point in the middle, um, because the earth is constantly rotating and the degree of the ascendant changes every four minutes, then you can actually get a lot more rapid fire timing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite surprising. And to mm-hmm. answer, I, I had some friends on Facebook say, tell us something that, you know, I said, um, someone wanted to know, like, tell me an astrological technique where you could kind of prove astrology works quickly, right? Mm -hmm. If you wanted to do that in the most simple way, you could just pay attention to what planets are rising on the ascendant Mm -hmm. in a specific place, like spend a day and start with the sunrise and just watch as the various planets rise and see what happens in the local environment. Mm. What happens when Mars rises on the ascendant? Is there a car crash next to you? Or did someone trip? Did, you know, mm-hmm. something yeah. fall? You know, Do you like, suddenly feel easy. surly for no reason? You yeah. Know? You know, you yeah. want to like, you know, rough something up? Like whatever. Mm-hmm. And Venus is yeah. rising and someone hands you a cocktail? Great. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. It's kind of like that. That's how Fantastroids work. You know, there were like inside jokes happening with different friends. And so um, they would crystallize into these moments of, uh, for example, I was driving back from a conference with my best friend wonder and, you know, we were behind this red truck. He was in the left-hand lane going slow. And we're just like, Oh my gosh. Like we, she just has a lead foot, you know, and we couldn't get around the guy. And I was like, Oh my, when are we going to finally get around this guy? And the one car on the right finally made it so that we could pass on the right. Uh-huh. And, um, which is illegal in this country, but we did it anyway. Cause we had to get beyond this red truck. Sometimes was, you got it right. Sometimes well, I looked at him and I'm like, force you into just that an, position. Yeah, and I looked at the guy and I was like, oh, it's an ancient man with no plan. And she's like, that's a Fantastroid, what's rising? And I looked at the degree rising on the Ascendant, which is how you find where they live. Yeah. And uh, it was the galactic center. And I'm like, wait a minute, so you're saying an ancient man with no plan lives at the galactic center? Like, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. That's awesome. There was one on our way out to the conference where I saw a field of beheaded palm trees. It was very strange, like Palm mm. Springs. There's this like field of palm trees with no tops I'm like what the, mm. what's that about two things so we marked that that was seven aquarius um and so i was in san francisco walking around and i saw a beheaded palm tree and i looked to see it was on the midheaven seven aquarius it's like that's significant you know i'm mm. seeing a chopped up palm tree for the first time since i discovered this point and then i had wonder's friend over who hated astrology this woman was like totally against it and she's just like i never understood why you guys like this stuff i just don't get it and we told her about beheaded palm tree because it was so absurd. And she's like, oh, remember when we lived on that one place in Los Angeles and I just hated those palm trees. I used to go out there and imagine cutting their heads off every single time. And so we looked at her chart. She had Mars at seven Aquarius. There you go. And I, she was like, oh my, what? And like, she kind of got a little bit like, wait, does this work? And I'm like, well, this is astrology we made up. But yeah, it actually kind of works. Mm-hmm. You know? For so sure. That goes into just, I think, what you might find um, is you know, just paying attention, you know, mm-hmm. tuning into the moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, it feels like, uh, to me, it makes total sense, to be honest. Like, it, like in, especially once we get to this example of it, yeah. where you're like, oh, we just made it out of that. I'm like, well, I don't know, but I don't know, whatever, right? But when we're talking about, like, when what, what you're talking about are specific degrees in specific signs, of course they all have meaning, right? And of course they all have symbol and associated things and all that kind of stuff at least in my mind right we don't usually deal with that because 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 we well because you know how how does the human brain parse 360 plus the 12 signs plus the deacons plus the you know on and on and on and on right like you know at some point the human brain 
um, you know, just disconnects from that. Right. But I think that, uh, I think that it's, I think that there are inevitably those things that are probably a part of all of those things in, in, in the holistic model of the whole thing. Right. I don't know. To me, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think if you work enough with divination at all, that dropping into the moment, the radicality of the moment of just, Oh, that's a fantastroid. Look up what degrees rising. It becomes an organizing principle for that moment. That's that quality of time that you're living through. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you give it a name. We call that degrees of the zodiac, you know, mm-hmm. in the experience of human culture in the tropical system, the quality of light that the sun gives off between the equinox and the solstice determines what the signs are. It's not the stars mm-hmm. behind it. I call it the Jennifer problem because my name is Jennifer, but I have a stepsister whose name's also Jennifer. Uh-huh. So, but we're not the same. I'm the, uh-huh. I'm the tropical zodiac. She might even be the sidereal zodiac, right? So it's like they call it Aries as the stars behind the sign mm-hmm. of Aries. But the sign of Aries that we're talking about in the Western system has to do with the quality of sunlight for that 30 days after the sun hits the vernal equinox, you know, yeah. in, in the north at least. So, so my name is Andrew, and I have a stepbrother whose name is Andrew. And now we have found a moment because we're having this conversation. We're like, what is going on on the horizon right now? This is hey. going to be significant. All right, right, let me look it up. The conjunction of those with step, steps, siblings of the same name. Yeah. Right? All right. So I'm looking it up for my location. That's seven Sagittarius. Um, uh-huh. You know, and we would have to call it what? Step Inception Twins? The Deception Twins? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Twins. Mm-hmm. No, no, it would be like Steps, Step Twins. Step, step Named. Twins. Yeah. Step Name Twin. We'll, we'll come up. We, please, please email us your better names for this. I know, right? This is the really, this is solid? radical kind of, but not quite. I mean, the feeling of a, creating a fantastic has to be like the inside, you know, that feeling you get when you're making an inside joke? Mm-hmm. And someone just yeah. says something and everybody kind of stops and laughs. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's that. It reminds me of, um, I was in the Bob Newhart show. My name's Daryl. It's my brother, Daryl. It's my other brother, Daryl. Yeah. Have that show in Canada or is it only no. Canadian? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that one, but I do love yeah. Canadian comedy. Kids in the yeah. hall, the state. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've been so you you settled down, yeah, into a house married. with a kid. Got a you got married. Had a kid you got, all you got, in a year. You did the whole thing. The whole I did package. everything in a year. Yeah. yeah, I almost died. I had a baby. I got a husband and a home. I'm yeah, a property owner now. Right. Yeah. How how is how is the rest of the stuff going around? All that kind of change, right? Like well, I know. I'm glad that the the American passport's worthless because my prior lifestyle was to get on a plane every three months or less. Yeah. And so now I can't, even if I wanted to. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. I might as well be a new parent with a mortgage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, the focus has definitely shifted too, just on the microscopic and the local in terms of. Mm-hmm growing i mean i've been very passionate about astrology and herbalism for a number of years grow the things and pay attention to the cycles and you know get my hands dirty and and Mm -hmm. work with them um so that's a focus that's exciting to me Mm -hmm. and um, what um what planets are so what plants are you excited about these days is there anything it's like really interestingly i wanted to plant a larch tree I was mm-hmm. in Mongolia in 2018 and the larch really impressed me there. And so mm-hmm. um, they're not native here though. And so that'll be an interesting problematic, but yeah, for some reason the larch was calling to me because it's a deciduous evergreen tree. Mm-hmm. So I like that combo. It's like impossible. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, no. And then, you know, more like I want to grow hops just to see if I can. And, mm-hmm. you know, garlic. My, my neighbor grows hops herbs and you know lavender mm-hmm. and rosemary mm-hmm. and all that good you know, normal stuff nice so i've been yeah. spending a lot of time in my garden this year it's uh yeah me, me and my me and my youngest have been uh really invested and my neighbors have been really invested in their gardeners where you know because 
because of the everything shut down, everybody's yeah. been hanging out um, on their front area in the building where I live. Because like I live in like a row townhouse kind of. Yeah. And because they were doing construction in the back on the concrete, it meant that all of our backyards were, were locked out for a good stretch of time. So we were mm. kind of forced to be on the front. So we all started gardening. We all started hanging out more. And then when okay. the construction finished, we just continued, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we've been putting in a lot of stuff and doing a lot of different things and sort of plotting, you know, our, our next two years worth of gardening projects. So it's, it takes that really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't just from jump street have a massive garden. Um, I'm working with uh, Morgan Singer is my neighbor. She's uh, mm-hmm. awesome. And she's um, illustrated a lot of artwork for some occult books and things. And she does gardening as well. And she was like, it takes three years really before you can have like a functional round the clock, you know, round the year garden in its yeah. fullness. Yeah. So. Well, and, and we decided that um, we're going to pave our walkways and, and mark our like edges of our gardens and stuff with rocks that we acquire from our adventures. Ooh. And so, when we go places, you know, like we go to the beach a fair bit and we'll bring back like a bucket full of rocks, you know? Yeah. Sometimes we'll just bring back one if we're, you know, if we're like, you know, walking or whatever. And so it's like there's a slow accumulation of stuff that I think is going to take, you know, sort of, you know, probably I think it's going to take all of next year to get, because we're also, we didn't really make this decision, but this is sort of what we've settled into. There's a lot of um, sort of, flat long pieces of like flint or other sedimentary stuff that have fossils in them in the lakes here right and so because of their size and shape they're ideal for making a pathway with and they're all a similar kind of gray color and so the whole walkway which is probably you know two feet wide by 20 feet when it loops all the way around the garden will be made with these stones, you know? Awesome. And sometimes you find some big ones, but mostly they're like not too much bigger than the size of your open hand, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's very fun. So, it's yeah. like marking time. Yeah. And, you know, and I think in time we'll forget what many of them were from and whatever, which doesn't really matter, right? But I think also there'll be ones like, hey, I remember this one. This was from wherever, right? You know? You'll feel so. it. You'll feel mm-hmm. it in time. Yeah, the experience. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's nice, though. It's nice to uh, to sort of be settling into that and stuff. So, yeah. Just know your neighbors, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Rarity. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've known them for, I mean, I've been here almost nine years now, right? So I've known them for a long time. But, uh, yeah, but especially since, like, since it's become my place, because I kept the place, my ex decided to move out when we, separated and uh and i was like perfect i love this house and i'm never leaving um so you know i've lived there for a long time but there's a change in dynamic around that right and so yeah. you know yeah. and my my dynamic as a non-married person in relationship to my neighbors and and other aspects of life are, are obviously quite different so yeah yeah, yeah that fun. definitely does change things for sure mm-hmm. yeah i've had that shift has happen as well um just noticing like you know even you can see it, you can interpret it through a chart, for example, but it's just, there is a polarity between that sort of more professional sphere and activity, which I was completely invested in and, and lived mm-hmm. in, you know, this, going back to the thought form concept, you know, I was mm-hmm. living and breathing publishing and publishing isn't just the books that you end up distributing and buying. It's also all of the conversations and experiences that go into sure. even identifying an idea as a book in the first place, mm-hmm. which was just everything that I was doing. And then, you know, world travel at the same time and just kind of like, you know, squeezing the life out of the earth as best I could. And I'm so glad I did all of that because now I'm completely in this domestic, hermetically sealed family constellation, mm-hmm. new, new parent, you know, watching this new person explore the earth for the first time and wondering why they incarnated. I'm like, why are you here? You know, like this place is falling to pieces, but you know, uh-huh. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> um, but you know, and in such a different speed. Yeah. And, and the hermetic seal is very different, you know, mm-hmm. to be in this very domestic space. So even the relationship to friends or professional colleagues shifts because 
you don't notice that so much time passes because there's this being in my arms who needs everything from me. And, yeah. and people are like, I haven't heard from you in months. And I'm like, really? Because I'm still <laughs> completely besotted and, and invested in this other, you know, individual. And, and she takes up my entire field of vision at the moment. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, you know, and I mean, I think that it depends on your style of parenting that, changes but doesn't change in some ways right you know i mean mine are 11 and 13 and they take up a tremendous amount of my attention you know yeah. and you know i mean i think that that's 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 part of it right and that's yeah. what you sign up for that's what i signed up for right you know like people are yeah. like oh aren't you gonna miss whatever i'm like I'm like i don't think so like i you know yeah like of course i'd like to travel more I'd like to do this or that or whatever but like that'll just happen later on once the kids become a bit more independent or they'll yeah. come with or whatever right but um i do have the benefit of having a lot of friends in bristol who are in their 60s somehow mm -hmm. and a lot of yeah. them have gone through the fullness of the family and now their kids are my age actually um many yeah. of them and so and they're living it up. They're tango dancing. They're making art galleries. They're renovating historic buildings. I mean, they're like doing anything they want, you know, yeah. much in the same way I was right before I had my baby. And I'm it kind is. of like, okay, cool. So it's bookended. You know, you do have this strange moment of being completely withdrawn from the world to a certain extent, at least when they're an infant. And then you, you enter back out into it. And then you have this really cool relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. or, or multiples right if you have more than one kid and and yeah. it wouldn't exist if it weren't for you you know mm -hmm. for sure yeah well you know i think it's i mean it's one of those things right to me i am interested and excited to hang out with them and to get to know who they are and get to see who they're becoming and you know they're like hey can i show you this thing and i'm like yeah show me the thing what is it right and sometimes i get it sometimes i'm like i don't even understand why you're amused by this but awesome i'm so <laughs> glad you're amused by it yeah, right. you know and yeah. and they're the same with me about stuff they're like yeah, whatever dad we don't care about that i'm like that's so fine did you notice when they were already even as as young as eight months that they had interests like were they unpacking certain things already? oh yeah, yeah for sure they arrived as full humans with their own ideas and temperaments and yeah attachments to things and stuff like that for sure because i get yeah. so excited um my daughter loves music so uh -huh. i'm like rabid about getting her drums and different kinds of drums and things to yeah. hit and, and things that make sound anything that makes sound she just lights mm -hmm. up you know and it's so exciting and it's like i've i have music in my family but i'm not necessarily that musical yeah but i just picked up one day on her interest in sound and have been totally delighted to see her go nuts about sound you know mm -hmm. yeah no it's amazing right yeah. i think that um yeah, I mean, I, I think of parenting as um, my my job is to not squash them and to try and encourage them in the things that they're excited about, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and to, to really kind of try and help them flourish in those things. But ultimately, it's like, I don't know. I like your word steward, right? You know, I'm like, I'm more of a steward of them even though I'm, I'm very responsible for them, obviously, um, yeah. you know, but it's like, yeah, you know, like I try not to put any agendas on stuff with them. Right. You know, like, like my youngest and I go rock climbing every week. Right. They're really into it right now. And I'm like, mm -hmm. great. I love rock climbing. Let's go. You know, and so we go to the climbing gym and we, we climb together and you know, we, it's a whole thing that we do. And at one point they were talking about maybe joining one of the clubs there and whatever. And then the other day they were like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do competitions. I just want to climb for fun. I'm like, great. That's awesome too. You know? Yeah. And like, it's like, perfect. Doesn't, doesn't, you know, need to be anything. Right. And like, right. Can, gets to be what it gets to be what they decided they want it to be. Right. And it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, well, you're really good at this because they're very good at it. Right. I'm like, you're very good at it. You must, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, no, you get to decide what your experience of that is. Yeah. And, and then maybe you'll enjoy doing it for the rest of your life in some ways or on and off or whatever. Right. Have you Whereas noticed you... the general lack of instrumentalizing things as capitalism ages? Cause I feel like I'm hearing like this doing it for its own sake, instead of having it be purposive, like competitive to get what accolades or attention or 
the feeling of winning, you know, or just have this mm-hmm. fun, right? I think that probably depends a lot on who's in your orbit and where mm-hmm. you are, right? Yeah. Like, I know there are lots of people adjacent to my regular life whose kids are in competitive hockey and competitive this and that and other things. And, you know, but like, but I don't, I don't watch sports. I don't, I'm, I'm happy to play sports or do things, but I don't really, I don't really care. Like it just doesn't matter to me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and I think that like, so I think it really just kind of depends on who you are. Right. Cause I think that there's, there's also a lot of hustle culture out there and a lot of, crossfit and this and that and other things which are on the other side of that spectrum right when i when i go to the climbing gym uh, which is super chill which is why i like this one um there's a like fitness place next door there's a big sign on the on their roll-up garage door that says somebody with less time than you is training right now and i'm like that's cool (laughs) <laughs> they can hustle all they want, but I don't care, you know, because I don't want to do that, you know? Right. Yeah. So um, I have been thinking a lot about that, especially since everything shut down in the whole world, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are we doing for fun and what are we doing? Because that's the way things have always been done. And what mm. are we really meant to do with ourselves if, because it seems like for a moment capitalism was suspended. We couldn't do what the behaviors were. Mm-hmm. And so what happened in that moment then? Yeah. You know, and it's hard to say, obviously, generalizing for everybody, but it just cascaded into like questioning around like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to have a full life outside mm-hmm. of a capitalist, striving, competitive, utility based action culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, you know, so in Toronto right now, um, we're like, we're hovering at like 25 new cases a day. Almost everything is open in some way or another, but with like distancing and masks and other, and other stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's like a lot of, um, you know, the, the question is what, what, as this assuming this direction continues knock on wood um, in a good way for us like and stuff opens further even at what point does that what what stays from what changed you know like we saw an eruption of park culture in toronto right everybody's got a blanket everyone's having dinner in the park right because it's the thing to thing you could do right you know we saw like the institution of they when they started before they opened restaurants, they opened new patios and many, many restaurants in Toronto basically just got a patio that used to be a lane of cars. Right. And so there's all this sort of outdoor patio stuff that's emerged and like outdoor patio that's not behind the restaurant, but it's out on the street. Right. Right. Yeah. And they didn't change the public drinking laws, but they stopped enforcing them. So people can sit in the park and drink beer and nobody harasses them with their friends and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that have shifted and they put in, and one of the other things, which is a personal favorite of mine is they put in bike lanes everywhere. Like all of a sudden this mad debate about whether we could extend the bike lane, like one block in this direction was gone. And they put in kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of bike lanes everywhere. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And so some of them are temporary. I think some of them, I'm hoping some of them will be permanent, you know, but it's like, they just have these divided lanes now with like posts and con- little concrete parking lot style dividers, you know, and it's like, it's so great. Right. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what, what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting think- in South Africa for the first time ever, smoking was banned. Alcohol was banned, but marijuana was legal. Mm. And it was like the world was flipped upside down. <laughs> like, right? wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. You were arresting people nonstop for marijuana possession and all kinds of things. And now I yeah. can't buy cigarettes or alcohol, but I can smoke a J in public. What? Mm-hmm. So. For sure, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting how that stuff shifts, right? I'm very curious yeah. where it ends and you know, and, and and what role we each have in sort of shaping 
you know, collectively shaping what that looks like as a city and as you know, as countries and whatever, right. you know, but also like personally, what does that look like? Right. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I had a very strange, a very opposite experience of people, which is um, after sort of an initial dip for the first few weeks, my business just took off and I was just super busy. Right. And because all my staff was off, I was just working like time and a half to double time through much of this thing. Right. And I was like, so grateful, like so grateful, but also like, Oh my God, like I cannot live like this. Like this cannot be, you know, like I need, I need off the, off the wheel, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, as stuff sort of moved off the wheel as, as stuff shifted and staff came back and I brought in somebody new and, and I started getting my life back. I was like, all right, now, now I need to go back to, well, go to the level that I wanted, which is I'm not working these days, taking time off this every, every, this often I'm, you know, stepping away from stuff in a way that's like creating space to, to have that, that leisure that I, that I want. Cause I think it's so important, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Or people making things like soap, you know, or, or mm-hmm. Mountain Rose Herbs is a company out here that was slammed with orders to the point of being three weeks behind because everybody yeah. wanted to make their own tinctures of this and that. And they're a great and, company. They ship everywhere, you know? And so it's like, I think there's the fundamental impulse to enterprise than the human that isn't mm-hmm. necessarily related to the capitalist way of doing enterprise sure. and so well it's all those I, people out there making bread right yeah you know? you make know? so much bread bread is great we want like to make what bread. we want to make we want to have our garden we make our mm-hmm. things like we like them and if there's excess then there we go but you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's been fun in that way mm-hmm. i mean obviously globally it's not fun but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of real total shit about it yeah <laughs> i'm just thing. trying to see this I'm, t- I'm a fundamental optimist so right? you know i am i have been trying to see the silver lining and you know like i said before going into all of it i was already on house arrest from september on because i could have bled to death at any moment and so yeah it was like oh the whole world gets to feel what i was feeling for four months right already, welcome know? to my party people <laughs> like, welcome to my uh, party like, what okay, happens here I nothing won't be too behind because everybody has to like you know mm-hmm yeah stop with me mm-hmm. yeah so you know revelor is still going but uh that's my publishing company but we haven't published a book since i got sick last september yeah. so you know well, like, i hear uh i hear you and our buddy for are doing a thing yeah later yeah. this year which is He's pretty got exciting poetry coming out yeah um it's going to have a lot of complex details around the deluxe version and mm-hmm. some original artwork being made in tandem with that and then Robert Allen Bartlett has two books. He's an alchemist. Mm-hmm. And there's a sequel to The Way of the Living Ghost with John Anderson. And this one has, it features a dialogue and it's less bleak talking, uh-huh. uh, less about hungry ghosts and more about the, the animated qualities of, of his work. And my translation of Royal Nativities is coming out, um, mm-hmm. written by Elizabeth Ebertine, the astrologer born on may 14th which was the date we last spoke in 2017 right. yes um, the one who you were resurrecting yeah yeah I'm, I'm taking her body of work into english because i think it's important for us to know where we come from as a, mm-hmm. sort of our ancestors in astrology and there's a lot of conversations happening in germany that seem to not go away in the english-speaking world i think because we don't know that they happened already 100 years ago so mm. that's some, one of my reasons for being on this earth is to be a translator a bridge to that time period and um publish what they were speaking about there that's great yeah Yeah, i think there's lots of great stuff out there that we just you know because of our limited scope our limited linguistic capacities and because there's just literally so much and so much everywhere it's like how do you even get into that stuff so well i think when someone gets into a new topic they get excited about it and then they go i know the problems here are the problems and it's like yes and they knew that 300 years ago and 100 years ago and (laughs) read your sources and you Mm -hmm. know go deeper just a little bit deeper and you'll see Mm -hmm. that this is this is a conversation that's been happening for quite some time yeah for sure i mean it happens with everything right i think so yeah for sure Mm -hmm. 
I'm uh, I'm working on uh, my next deck. Yes. Yes. Are you allowed so, to talk about nuances I, of it? I will tell you about it. It okay. is so after after I finished the Orisha Tarot, I decided that I needed something that was not so cognitively processed, right? Like I spent seven years from thinking about that project to finishing that project and it being released, right? Yeah. And there was different kinds of art that I tried out and different kinds of things and spent a lot of time thinking about the cultural implications and, you know, all sorts of stuff that I wanted to like do something that I thought really respected to the tradition and, and all that stuff. And I'm very happy with where it ended up, but it was just very on heady. my brain. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so the new deck uh, is called the uh, Bacon Wizard Breakfast Oracle. And it is 36 cards, all about breakfast. Wow. So, yes. I have a use for that. Yes. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I'm a Libra, so I need help making decisions. Uh-huh. Perfect. Well, you better have a full pantry, but, uh, but otherwise, yeah. So, yeah. So, and I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna launch it. Um, I was gonna launch Kickstarter like late March. I was sort of on track for doing that. I, I actually had thirty-four of the thirty-six cards done, and I was gonna wrap them up and whatever. And I'm like, oh no, that's not gonna happen. No. But uh, but I'm gonna shoot for late September or early October. I'm gonna just see how it all goes with a couple other things. But that's the plan. So. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can consult a non-astrological oracle to determine which timing is going to suit you best. Right? Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the question is, is really like, which which breakfast card is the best omen for the timing of it, right? There you like, go. How about now? Use it oh. to use... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Bagels um, and cream cheese. Eh. One thing that happened, sauce. actually, yes. I, uh, in terms of odd things that we're working on, um, I became a composer. Uh -huh. No one knows this. I actually haven't spoken about this publicly. I don't think at all. Um, when I was in London, I, I started bleeding the first time uh, while I was pregnant. Uh, I was actually there for 10 days, not for any reason. I just flew to London to make music with my friend, Nicole. And she's a, she's a musician. And I had this measurement of when stars would rise according to different cities and mm -hmm over the course of a year. This was a project that got hatched out of a artist residency at Star and Snake in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. um, and so by sheer accident, I, I saw, I created a music box that you could hear this tune. And then Nicole said, oh, I can compose with that if you come and bring me the data. So I flew to London and spent 10 days with her. And we went through and we created six songs in an EP that we were also gonna release on a Kickstarter and then uh, everything happened. You know, I was right. sick and then the world shut down. Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, that's not going to happen. So now we're working on the B-sides, which is instead of the rising of the stars, we're going to do the setting of the stars in the same nice. locations. So we'll have six songs on A and six songs on the B-side. And, um, and yeah, it'll be two EPs. And uh, it's sort of a very atmospheric drone core uh -huh. sound. Cause it's Are you going to release it on vinyl? Yeah, we want to, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I've never yeah. actually published music before, but, uh -huh. you know, Revelor is going to be iterating into, she's going to sort of use the Revelor, she's going to iterate it into a met record mm -hmm. label in England. Mm -hmm. There's something just so meta about the rotating of the record and the movement of the planets and the whole yeah. thing. It's, it feels like yeah. it needs to be done that way, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, and like we had to build a an insanely large keyboard just to get the intervals proper so that we could then shrink down different scales of the tones. And I don't know any of the music theory words for it, but I know the mathematics that I use to measure stuff. So it's like, I've got this sort of super nerd astrology brain and she's got the music theory down and mm -hmm. we came up with this thing together. And I was, it was like so trance inducing. I was driving, listening to it. Cause my, my car at that point was the best sound system I could get a hold of. Yeah. And I almost drove off the road because it was so like, right. you know, vibrating your skull open. And th I think that's part of the beauty of it is that there's something to it. Like when you use this natural rhythm mm -hmm. to like make music, then it speaks to something in the human. You know, there's just something there that it unlocks inside of our own vibration. I don't know. Yeah. I dig it. I can't wait. Yeah. 
That's very exciting. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll leave it here. Sure. Can it's great to see head it. on out and listen to uh, the sounds of the universe, everybody, and await the arrival of your breakfast and your trans-inducing vinyl. <laughs> it's gonna be a great day. Start your day off like that. Start your day off like that. Um, where should people come find you, Jen? Jen'sArt.com, Z-A-H-R-T, or CelestialSpark.com, same place. Perfect. All right. Thanks for coming on. It's been lovely again. Yeah, likewise. Take care. You too. All right, folks, that is episode 113, uh, all wrapped and done. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope that you are continuing to get great things from listening to this. The feedback on the previous uh, new episodes that came out recently has been fantastic. Uh, Do me a favor, spread the word, share what's going on, let people know about it and why they should come and listen. And, uh, you know, think about heading over to that Patreon and supporting this podcast there. I will talk to you soon.